Dustin, if you want to go ahead and put that first slide up, let's pray. Lord, as we learn more about faith, we want to live it in all that we say and all that we do, Lord. Help us. If someone came in here tonight and their faith is wavering, they're struggling, in the name of Jesus, just be with them. We thank you and praise you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Continuing our study through the book of Hebrews, we started Hebrews 11 last week, the great chapter on faith. There's about 40 different characters here in this chapter. I mentioned to you last week, I'm listening to a pastor go through these sermons, and he is spending 16 weeks on Hebrews chapter 11. Because all these amazing characters. Now, we're not going to go into that much depth. We're going to go a little bit quicker than that. But we are going to take our time to get into some of these characters. I just want to remind you of what faith is before we even move on. Because if you don't get what faith is, this means nothing to you. Faith, the definition of faith is found right there in verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you can see it, it's not faith. The way the Lord works is you believe in the things you don't see. I did not see Christ crucified, but I believed it happened. I did not see the empty tomb, but I believed it happened. And we all do faith every moment of our day. As I mentioned to you last week, you came in here and you sat down and you had faith that that chair was going to support your weight. You have faith that when you flip the light switch that it's wired properly and correctly and it doesn't cause issues. You have faith in so many things. Now what we're talking about is biblical faith. Now be careful. Don't let it turn into just some little saying, oh, you need to have faith. Faith also involves action. Faith also involves in how you live. And I just want to remind you of some of these verses from last week. We talked about, most importantly, faith of salvation. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works. So we talked about the understanding of faith and salvation. Next slide, please, Dustin. This is the one that we're going to focus on a lot. It changes how you live. Habakkuk 2.4, but the just shall live by his faith. This verse is repeated in Romans. It's also repeated in Galatians. It's repeated again in Hebrews. Four times this verse is in the Bible. My life is supposed to be a life of faith. I tell you, that, that verse has been hitting me, folks. What's it really mean to live in faith? Every moment of your day. It's not trusting your job. It's trusting the Lord is going to provide. It's not trusting your health because your health may disappear. It's not trusting your spouse in that capacity of, well, they'll always be there for me because Jesus is the one that will never leave you and forsake you. It's walking in faith. And that's what 2 Corinthians 5, 7 takes us. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Go one more slide, Dustin. And then the investment of this. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. If you're going through a difficult time and you want to walk in that faith, that means investing in it. That means you choose to be in the Word. You choose to be in worship. You choose to be in prayer. Because in faith, you realize these are the tools that God gives you. If you come to me and you say, I'm struggling with an issue, I'm probably going to give you some scriptures. Because why? Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the Word of God. And I want you to go invest in those scriptures. I'm going to encourage you to pray and fast. I'm going to encourage you to have a time of worship. Those are all tools that God has given us to help us in our faith. But if you do choose to do nothing and you just sit back and say, well, I'm just going to trust it works, well, amen on your faith. But there's also an investment in that faith. And this is where a lot of us as believers, we don't invest into our faith. God has given us tools to do that. Now, if you could go back one slide, Dustin, and leave this up, because this is what I want us to focus on here tonight. It is your way of life. All these characters and individuals that we're going to start talking about now, they lived it. They lived it. Now, before you start thinking, these were men and women of the Bible, this is not me. 
Please remember the great prophet Elijah and how he is described in the book of James. That he was a man with a nature like ours. He struggled. He had good days. He had bad days. Remember, Elijah was the prophet that crawled under the tree and wanted to die. Lord, take my life. It's not worth living. Haven't you ever been in a dark spot like that? Elijah has. We're going to talk about David. David, the man that committed adultery, the man that had the man killed. We're going to talk about some of these guys. But it's very interesting. In this Hebrews 11 chapter, all these characters we talk about, it never mentions the bad they did. It mentions the good. Because what God wants to focus on Hebrews 11 is the walk of faith they have. And I want you to remember these verses. Ask yourself, are you truly living in faith? That this, ex- this expectation of, Lord, I don't know what tomorrow will bring. I'm assuming I'm going to have a job. I'm assuming I'm going to get there safely. I'm assuming my house is going to be there when I get home. But I don't know. And I just trust you in everything, Lord. Everything. Health, finances, kids, relationship, everything. And then, are you going to walk it? If you wait to see it, it's not faith. And that's what you're going to see here tonight. So with that being said, Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We talked about that last week. And we also talked about verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. It makes God happy when you trust Him. Because God says, I have done enough. My resume is big enough for you to trust me in whatever situation you're facing. It pleases him. And do you not want to please him? As I mentioned to you last week, I see it in my boys. They want to please me. They want to make me happy. If they do something that they think I will like, they will just sit there and keep one eye on me to make sure that I see them doing it. We just started talking about Christmas today. And so they wanted to know, what was your favorite gifts, Dad? So my mind is thinking, say what they got me. And so what I did, is I said, well, my favorite thing I got this year was something Dawn, Dawn did. And I said that. And so then Judah goes, well, thanks, Dad. I see my gift meant nothing to you. Because they wanted so bad that whatever they got me was the greatest thing in the world. Because they just want to make me happy. Tyrus, who's four, will come and say, Dad, I cleaned my room. So come get me. And I know before I even see his room, it is not clean. But I'll walk in there and he is just proud as a peacock. And it's like, good job, buddy. He just wants to please. And you know what, people? I don't know what your physical age is. But remember, God wants you to have a childlike faith. So I always try to remind myself, I am really just a toddler in the arms of God. Saying, Lord, I just want to please my daddy. I just want to make him happy. I just want to trust him. So without faith, it's impossible to please him. And I want to diligently seek him. It goes back to that passage we said earlier. Investing in your faith. Through word, through worship, through fasting, through prayer, through ministry, through service. Investing in it. So, let's talk about our first example. Verse 2. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. This is the setting up the rest of the chapter. Now we're going to talk about these elders that obtained a good testimony. Now, depending on your translation, that word testimony has a lot of different words. Some of yours may have said, obtained a good report, a good reputation. They were commended. It's a really interesting word. It means they had a good witness. Now think about this for a second. If somebody who does not know you, maybe real well, maybe a co-worker, maybe some type of family member, but they know you. What would they say your testimony is? 
Do they see you walking in faith? Do they see you trusting the Lord even when things don't make sense? Do they see you do that? That is part of your walk. And the truth is, it's really easy to praise God when everything's going good. But what happens when it's difficult? What happens when you don't have that job? What happens when you do have a health concern? What happens when the relationships aren't as strong as they could be? Are you still walking in faith? Because this word here for testimony is actually martyrdom. So it literally is saying in the Greek, For by yet the elders obtained a good martyrdom. Now when you think of being a martyr, you think of dying. Well, some of these actually did physically die. They were martyred. We'll get to that. But you know what? Even while you're living, you're a martyr. Because there has to come a time and a place where you say, I die to my passions and desires. I die to who I am because I want to live for Christ and all that I say and all that I do. So I have become a martyr because I'm willing to die to myself. And when that happens, now you can start to live for God. I don't know how often I see somebody who confesses Christ, claims to be a Christian, and I believe they are, but they're still living for themselves. There has to come a time of death where you become a martyr and you cease to live because it's Jesus Christ living in you. And what happens is these guys that we're going to talk about here from verse 3 on are guys that chose to die to themselves. Some of it is literally physically martyrdom, but other ones are like, I gave my life up. Just to live for Christ. goes back to that first verse. The just shall live. Live by his faith. Think about what that means. To really live it. To really live it. What's the first example? Verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that they, things that which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Isn't that amazing? Where does God start? Creation. That's your first example of faith. One of my old Sunday school teachers at the church I used to go to said, if you can believe Genesis 1-1, you can believe anything the Bible has to say. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I've never forgot that. If you can believe that, you can believe anything. Why is this such a struggle for people? Jump ahead, if you could, to 1 Peter, please. Actually, 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3. Just a few books there to your right. Creation is so debated, discussed, argued. But yet, when in Hebrews 11, when God wants to make his first example of faith, he uses creation. 2 Peter chapter 3, starting verse 1. Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which are spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust. Stop right there, verse 3. Is that not true? People in the last days are just following their own lusts. There's not a godly mindset. There's not a Christ-glorifying mindset. There's a mindset of pleasing myself. Okay, what are scoffers? Scoffer is a very interesting word, and I encourage you to do a study on scoffers, especially in the book of Proverbs. These are people that just know it all. They're so smart, they don't need anybody to tell them anything. They don't need to be corrected. They don't need wisdom and guidance because they have it all figured out. You know what the interesting thing about a scoffer is? A scoffer doesn't realize they're a scoffer. So when you try to talk to someone who's a scoffer and try to explain that to them, they don't see it. But you know it when you see it. 
They got all the answers. They don't need to be corrected. So there's going to be scoffers in the last days that know everything. And what are you going to see in the last days? People walking according to their lust. What are they saying in verse 4? Where is the promise of His coming? So where's this return of Jesus you keep talking about? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. You keep telling about the return of Jesus. Guess what? People keep living and dying and nothing has ever changed. Boy, isn't that true? You talk about the rapture. People say, I've heard this before. And I keep looking at the world. And I keep thinking, Lord, how much more? How much more? And then I start seeing things. It's like, I, I never thought I would see that happening. I keep a, in my computer, if I see an article, a headline that I think is fulfilled prophecy, I mark it. So this last year when I saw that Russia and Iran started making a military alliance. Do you realize that's Ezekiel 38? That Russia invades Israel from the north and a group of Muslim nations invade from the south? That's right there. And I kept thinking, okay, what else happens in Ezekiel 38, which is the battle of Gog and Magog? Israel has to be left undefended. Well, America would never turn its back on Israel. And then you see what just happened at the UN last week. These are prophecies being fulfilled right in front of us, people. Right in front of us. But what do they choose to do? Verse 5. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water, and in the water, in which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Verse 5, they willfully forget what? Creation. They willfully forget. This was prophesied 2,000 years ago, that one of the signs of the end times is that people will willfully forget creation, depending on your translation, purposely, deliberately forget creation. God's greatest witnessing tool that he gave us, people push off to the side. When we sang that one worship song tonight where I look into the sky and I wonder. I've told you before, I'm an astronomy guy. So when I go out in the night and it's clear and I can see Venus right over here, I mean, that thing is so bright and so beautiful. That's amazing to me. And that's just a planet. And if you know what you're looking for, and you start looking back there, and you see the constellation Orion coming up, and you can see his belt that's a nebula, stars being produced right in front of us. And if you look over there, you can see the Andromeda galaxy. And some of you may not be in astronomy, and you may be saying, I don't know what he's saying, but just hear me out. You're looking at an entire galaxy, not our own. The, the reason the sky declares the wonders of God. And it just absolutely blows my mind when you run into somebody who says, where's the evidence? Good golly, just look around you. But when they choose not to hear it, they choose not to see it, my mind always comes back to 2 Peter chapter 3. They willfully forget. They purposely forget. They deliberately forget. That's why I think it's important for us as a church on a regular basis to have a creation speaker come out. And we try to do one every couple years. We just had one come out last May. Where they come out and then we do an evening on creation. Understanding the science of creation. But please go back now to Hebrews chapter 11. Because I want to throw one thing in here. Look at this in verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. What is the greatest evidence of creation? Is your faith. You got to remember that. I am not against evidence for creation. I am not against the speakers that come out and produce evidence. I love it. But ultimately speaking, you were not there when it happened. 
And you in faith have to believe that God created something out of nothing. That's faith. You have to believe when you go back and read Genesis 1 and 2 that, wow, there's a six-day creation. Wow, day six, God created man and dinosaurs on the same day. I know that's strange, right? But that's what the Bible teaches us. Literal creation. Where's the proof? My proof is according to Hebrews 11, 3, in my faith. Though the world thinks I'm ignorant, the world thinks I'm dumb. Well, I've already been told that in 1 Corinthians 1, that the world thinks I'm foolish. But it's by faith that I believe this. And by faith we understand that God created something out of nothing. And I encourage you, if you struggle with that, go back and read Genesis 1 and 2. What amazing chapters they are. Because you have been inundated, your kids have been inundated with this whole billions of years ago type stuff. Hebrews 11.3 tells us the true story. By faith, by faith we understand that. So where does God start creation? Where, excuse me, where does God start our teaching on faith? He goes, let's start at the beginning. The greatest thing I've done is create something out of nothing. What a witnessing tool that is. Now, if you have any quick questions, comments about anything here before we move on here. Yeah, Kathy. Yep. Yeah, I love Romans 1. Romans 1, a great chapter, and I'm glad you brought that up, Kathy, because my mind did not remember that, is Romans 1, God says you are without excuse. So if you sit here and you say, I don't think it's fair that a loving God is not giving a chance for the people living in whatever, in Africa or Australia, to know the truth. Romans 1 makes it clear that if you look up in the sky and you see that moon, you see those stars, you see those planets, and in your heart you're saying there's got to be something bigger than me out there, God says, I can work with that. I can work with that. And he'll make sure that they hear the truth. I love Romans 1. God's greatest witnessing tool is creation. I'm glad you brought that up. Anybody else have anything here? Marcus. Absolutely right. Back to Romans 1 again. They start worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And you see that in the world today. You see a movement of the creation is more important than life. And God says, that's not the way I ordered it. That is not the way I ordered it. Good point there, too. Anybody else have anything here about creation and faith? Yeah, Megan. Is it wrong? Wrong's a strong word. I hope there's a desire to want to talk to people that don't know the truth. Because the Bible says we're supposed to convince, rebuke, exhort. I was just talking to someone before church, and we were talking about somebody that has kind of decided to give up on Christianity. And I made the comment, I love those conversations. I would love to talk to someone who says, I have weighed the evidence, and I have chosen not to be a Christian. I would love talking to those people. What have you seen or what do you read that makes you say Christianity is not true? Those are great conversations. Most of the conversations I have are with people who claim to be Christ but choose to be lukewarm. And I'm constantly like, oh, go deeper, read more, pray more. They don't want to. To run into somebody who says, I have weighed the evidence and I have chosen to reject Christianity. Oh, my goodness, I will buy you lunch. Let's sit down and you tell me every reason why you don't want to be a Christian. So I I hear what you're saying, Megan. I love being around believers, the encouragement, the fellowship, etc. But there's also part of me that says, wow, you want to reject Christ? Let's talk about it. 
Because there's, there's a thrill in that too. Because the Bible says when that person gets saved, angels rejoice in heaven. Oh, I love that. I love that. Anybody else have anything here? Ryan. Yep. And, and that's exactly what it is. And it comes down to, and once again, I... Okay, guys, I'll just confess. I really screwed up by not quoting Romans 1. Three people have brought that up. Thank you very much. <laughs> Romans 1 is a great chapter. Um, there's a lot of great information in there, and they're all right. And I really do mean that because Romans 1 basically is saying... Creation is here. It's a witnessing tool. And when you look at it, when people choose to reject this witnessing tool, they start to worship, like they said, the creation. And, and you see it happening right in front of you. Now, if you go up to one of those people and say, well, according to Romans 1, you're worshiping creation. No, I'm not. I'm just respecting the life of all life. I'm respecting, okay, yeah, that's your way of watering down what's really going on. But according to Romans 1, you're taking out the order that God created. And what happens is you are elevating things that you think need to be elevated when really Jesus died on the cross for the sins of mankind. And that's the focus that we're focusing on here is sinful man that is lost that needs a Savior. Good stuff. Anybody else got anything here about creation? Okay, now, follow my logic. If we're starting in Genesis 1 and we're talking about the creation of the world, the next obvious people to talk about in our walk of faith would be Adam and Eve. But note in verse 4... By faith, Abel, he skips Adam and Eve. Why did he skip Adam and Eve? Anybody want to answer that? Adam and Eve didn't walk by faith. They talked with God. They were in the garden. You know that? Go back and read that in Genesis. So they had this unique relationship with God that, that we didn't have. Abel and Cain are the first people that have to, in faith, believe in what happened in the Garden of Eden. They have to believe that when mom and dad told them the story, they're the first people to have to walk in faith. Adam and Eve lived it. They were there. So when they're sitting around the supper table, and Cain or Abel says, Dad, tell us again about the Garden of Eden. Well, it's a lot of fun until your mom messed that up. I mean, that's they in faith have to believe that. So, I, I want you to see that. Adam and Eve had a very unique relationship with God. Where they did not walk in faith like we think of. I just want you to keep that in the back of your mind here. So, the first person to have to walk in faith is Abel. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Well, let's talk about what happened. Go back with me, if you will, please, to Genesis. Genesis chapter 4. Let's refresh our story on the story of Cain and Abel. Now, I had Dustin keep these verses up because of the second one. We walk by faith, not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. That's what you're starting to see now. Abel, walking by faith. Cain, walking by faith. Genesis 4, verse 1. 
Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. She bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was the keeper of the sheep, but Cain was the tiller of the ground. Real quick side note, some people believe that Cain and Abel were possibly twins. Because if you look, it says that Adam knew his wife and she conceived. It only says it once. And it says, and then she bore again in verse 2. Some people believe that Cain and Abel were twins. So Abel was a keeper of the sheep. He's a shepherd. Cain was a tiller of the ground. He's a farmer. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground of the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Let's stop there real quick. Now, please let go of any idea you have of this idea of dumb caveman. It's ridiculous. Adam, obviously, I believe, was a very intelligent man. I've said this point before. These people were probably more intelligent than us. We just use technology to mask how dumb we're coming. We're going to talk about Noah here probably next week who built this amazing ark. And so here are the first generation coming out of the Garden of Eden. These were intelligent people. These people were only one generation from the fall of the effects of sin and the curse. So these are amazingly, I believe, intelligent people. And, they, and you may be thinking, well, how would they know these things? Because they were not created dumb. They were not. So they knew how to survive. They knew how to do this. And in some ways smarter than us because the tools they would have had does not even compare to us in any way whatsoever. So Abel becomes a shepherd. Cain becomes a farmer. So they both bring their sacrifices. But God accepts Abel's sacrifice. Verse 5. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his continence fell. Another little side note here. Continence fell is kind of a unique way to say that Cain kind of got discouraged and depressed about this. Isn't it interesting the first time you see discouragement and depression in the Bible, it relates to sin. Now please don't make a point that I'm not making. If you struggle with discouragement and depression, I am not saying that you have some unconfessed sin. I'm not saying that in any way whatsoever. What I am saying is this. I've run into a lot of people who are not very happy in life. And part of the reason why they're not happy in life is they're not choosing a lifestyle that glorifies God. And they wonder where their joy went. Why does Cain not have joy? He didn't bring the right sacrifice. Now that's not fair. How is he supposed to know? I think there was an understanding of what they were supposed to do. That's why when we get in a few chapters in Genesis where God tells Noah to bring clean animals and unclean animals, how would Noah have known the difference between clean and unclean animals? Obviously, the Lord taught them what was clean and unclean. Now, we can make a lot of cases here. Why was Abel's sacrifice accepted? It involved death, blood. What do we just read in Hebrews 9 and 10? There has to be the blood for forgiveness of sins. It brought a lamb, which is a picture of Jesus. Great symbolism there. What did Cain bring? He brought the work of the ground, which represents our works, trying to earn acceptance to God. You can't do it. No matter how hard you work, no matter how much dirt you get under your fingernails, you can't earn anything. What has to happen is there has to be death and sacrifice and blood, and that's what Abel brings. But ultimately, ultimately, why was Abel's sacrifice also respected? Because what does it say back there in verse 4? Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. Because the blood of a lamb is always going to be better than the work of your hands. And just think about that. This is what I don't get about people that choose to reject the gospel. What you're really saying is, I'm rejecting the blood of a lamb, and I want to earn it. Oh, no you don't. No you don't. You want the blood of the lamb. That's the more excellent sacrifice. And how is it offered? In faith, by faith, Abel offered 
a more excellent sacrifice. It goes back to that verse that we shared, the first verse, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For as by grace you have been saved through faith. Through faith. Salvation comes through faith of what Jesus Christ did on the cross that we did not see, but yet we believe. Abel is a walking picture of that faith of salvation and the faith of the blood of a lamb. Now, before we move to our next character, any quick questions about Abel and Cain and his walk of faith? Okay, let's do one more here tonight. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch is such an interesting and unique character. Such an interesting and unique character. You know, the Bible, when it's talking about Enoch, it's in Genesis 5 there, if you want to read it. Um, Genesis 5, verse 23. Actually, we'll go with uh, verse 22. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. That's all it says. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Now that kind of leaves you hanging there a little bit. It's almost like Enoch said, I'm going out for a walk, honey. And he never came back. Now, there's a whole lot of other symbolism that goes with this. Because if you study out genealogy there in Genesis chapter 5, after Enoch, you have Methuselah. After Methuselah, you have Lamech. And then after Lamech, you start getting to Noah. And so what a lot of people believe that Enoch is, Enoch is a picture of the rapture of the church that comes out before the flood that happens. Because Enoch walked with God and he was just taken just taken like that. Now, a little bit more detail of Enoch's life. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away that he did not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. What did he do? That he pleased God. That's the walk you want. See, when we look at these verses, the just shall live by his faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Okay, ask yourself right now. Is your walk please God? That's what Enoch's walk was. He was walking. I heard a pastor teach one time on Enoch that basically said this, that Enoch liked to walk with God, and one day they just got closer to heaven than back, and God said, why don't you just come home with me now? And what a way to look at it. Enoch had such a walk that was pleasing to God that God said, just come home. And that's the blessing of it. Now, there's some wonderful symbolism of the rapture there, and I don't want to take away from that, but what we're talking about in Hebrews 11.5, is that he had a walk that pleased God. And and this is what's really been on my heart. That first verse is really getting to me. Am I really living by faith? Really living by faith? And, and, And do I have a walk like Enoch, where God says, that pleases me? Not by my own works, because we just read about Cain and Abel, people. But am I investing in my walk? Am I investing in the word? Am I investing in worship? Am I investing in ministry? Am I investing in service and fasting and prayer? Am I saying, Lord, I want to grow and go deeper in you? And am I like Enoch that just is walking with the Lord? And that is my, as it says right there, testimony, verse 5. Go back to what we said in verse 2. The elders obtain a good testimony, a good witness, a good reputation, a good report, a good martyrdom. They died to themselves and lived for the Lord. If you're like me, the biggest sins I struggle with are pride and selfishness. What's pride? I want everybody to notice me. What's selfishness? I want everybody to meet my wants. What does it mean to walk with God and to please Him? I want everybody to notice Jesus. 
I want everybody to walk with him. I've shared with you before one of my favorite characters in the Bible is John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist's sole ministry was just to point people towards Christ. Point people towards Christ. What does that look like for us today? It's not about getting a bigger ministry. It's not about getting a bigger following. It's not about getting more people. It's about pointing people to Jesus. And and I want that walk that's pleasing to God. And that means that I have to die to myself regularly. Regularly. You know, one time this year, there was ten of us living in our house. And I remember wanting the attention of my wife. Because I married her. She chose me. And when we got married, most of those people living in the house did not exist. They came after we made this choice. But the more people that come into my house, the less I see my wife. And I tell you, and I don't know, maybe other husbands you struggle with this, maybe you don't want to admit it. I am so selfish of my wife. Now, that sounds like, oh, that's so loving. No, it's really sinful. Because it's not like I'm selfish of my wife. I just want her to want me. (laughs) You know, Dawn, forget about them. Focus on me. And really, the more I walk with the Lord, the more I realize, James, you've got to die. You've got to die to yourself. And I look at Enoch. Enoch walked with God, and it pleased him. Man, that's what I want. That's what I want. I just want to let you know, this verse, we're going to keep coming back to it, the just shall live by his faith. What does it really mean as a believer to walk in faith in this world? And I hope that you, as we go through the rest of Hebrews 11, and you are introduced or reintroduced to some of these Old Testament characters, you stop and say, yeah, I can learn from them. So tonight was creation, Abel, Cain, Enoch. Next week, we pick up in Noah. Then we start getting into Abraham and Sarah and Moses. Man, you're going to get a great overview of the Old Testament. And I hope you're as blessed by this as I am. Anybody have any final questions, comments here about anything? Ryan. Um, Enoch is one of the most obscure characters in the Bible, but he has the same going out as uh, Elijah. Elijah was taken out of heaven and doesn't see death. And by that reason, yeah, it is. And there's a possibility with that. And like I said, he's a very obscure character. And if you did not have the Hebrews 11 account to go with the Genesis 5 account, if you were just reading through Genesis 5 and it's like Enoch walked with God and was no more, what does that even mean? But when you put Hebrews 11 with it, that his walk pleased God, what a blessing that is. And yeah, there's a lot of speculation on Enoch and maybe he has a role in uh, Revelation 13 there with the two witnesses. Anybody else have anything here before we close up? All right. Hey, would you guys stand with me? Let's pray as we close. Lord, that word faith, that's what we're talking about, Lord. Help us to walk in faith. I think of what the apostles prayed. Increase our faith. Lord, we want to walk it. We want to live it. We want to truly live it in all we say and all we do. In the name of Jesus, help us to do that. We thank you. We praise you. And Lord, help us to live this. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, you guys have a good week and God bless. If anybody's got anything they want to pray about, feel free to come on up. And uh, we can definitely pray. Pastor James. Yes.